The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And today, back from our self-imposed one-month hiatus, we come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun, where the hot springs flow. Take it away, Robert. Where, having explored the far northern reaches of the global spirits community, we bring you four different spirits of the Vikings. And joining us once again on another exciting expedition of world whiskey, just as he did back in episode 54, Other Whiskies of the British Empire, the OG listener from Afghanistan and a Viking-sized human being in his own right, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. And I gotta say, I like what you've done with the groom. Make it look like a rack house. That's really nice. Really nice. <laughs> exactly. Good job, guys. Yeah, well, well, thank you. I was up all day measuring and cutting shields and, yeah. and polishing them and you're, painting you're, them. You were cutting wood. Oh. Hello. <laughs> and of course, kicking things off, Ed, the erstwhile historian and part-time scald, is here to regale us with a brief history of the Vikings, but not before he tells us which Scandinavian spirits will be sipping smugly from the skulls of our enemies tonight. That's great. Thanks, Scott. And uh, speaking of Vikings, Scott and I went to see Zach Wild. Oh, that's right. concert a he, few weeks ago. He's very Viking-esque. <laughs> nice. I haven't seen Zach Wild, the former guitar player for Ozzy. Yeah. Check him out. He's an amazing player. He really is. So today, we're going to be tasting five different spirits, at least. Sometimes we end up piling on, but mm-hmm. five's enough to explore the different regions that were once home to the mighty, feared, evil twisted vikings <laughs> and we'll get to that later first of all we couldn't get a whiskey from norway mm. they make it evidently but it's really hard to get it in this part of the world and shipping it was just ridiculously uh, expensive so what we did is we got another product that they make in norway liney aquavit which is a 83 proof spirit then we got a whiskey from sweden which is high coastberg single malt whiskey which is 100 proof then we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back with iceland Eisenberg. Floki single malt whiskey, which is a 90 proof spirit. Then Denmark's represented by Stoning Chaos triple malt whiskey, 92 proof. And we're going to finish the day with Finland's Cairo single rye malt whiskey, a 94.4 proof, the only point in the Scandinavian region, evidently. Yes. <laughs> but first, I'm going to let you know a little bit about the Vikings. Yeah, all right. So truth be told, the Vikings were just a dreadful people. Uh, No matter what history you read, I read several of them. I've taught the Vikings at times, though when I was teaching middle school, I certainly glossed over uh, the raping and the slaving and uh, everything else that made them terrible. You're not going to gloss over it here. No, I shan't. Good. That's what I want to hear. 
Um, <laughs> the Viking Age in Scandinavian history is taken to have been the period of time between raids by the Norsemen in around 793 until the Norman conquest of England in 1066. But of course, they were raiding before and they raided after. But mm. historians like to put stuff into a nice little section, if you will. So for those who've been under a rock their whole life, Vikings were seafaring people, uh, once again, originally from Scandinavia, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Iceland. They were famous for attacking the coasts of Europe, particularly the Saxons in Germany. They attacked England, they attacked Scotland, they attacked Ireland, they attacked France. But what people don't realize is that they also were able to take those flat bottom boats of theirs and go down rivers. And this is how they one time famously sacked Paris. But they also traveled all the way down the Volga to the Mediterranean, where they interacted with the Byzantine Empire mm. and the great city of Constantinople. They interacted with Muslims. They voyaged to North Africa, to the Middle East, to Greenland, to present day Newfoundland in Canada. Mm. It's pretty much now a fact that they did visit North America centuries and centuries before Columbus's expedition hit the islands of the Caribbean. Now, let's look at the word Viking. So there's lots of arguments about where that word came from. And I will tell you that nobody was calling them Vikings pretty much at the time. But Vike means like a bay or inlet and Wiccan means like a sailor or raider. So they think that's where the historians kind of got it from. In the Middle Ages, if they did refer to them as Vikings, it just came to mean a Scandinavian pirate or a raider. The Franks, which were the French, normally called them Northmen, which is where you get Norsemen from, and Danes. While the English, they were generally known as Danes or heathens. <laughs> and the Irish knew them as pagans or Gentiles. Oh. So historians cite the looting of the English monastery at Lincern in 793 as the beginning of the Viking era, because it's like the first time they decide to come to England and fuck shit up. <laughs> and it ends at Norman Conquest. And why it ends at the Norman Conquest is fascinating. Fascinating. Okay, so they spent lots of time raiding England. They would settle there. Sometimes they took over big, huge chunks of England and Scotland, and then they would get driven back to like the upper northern corner of the island nation. At the same time, they were also raiding the coast of France, and it was common to hold things for ransom. And at one point, they took over some land. They tried to ransom it back to the French king, and King Charles III, the simple, he's nicknamed, just gave him the territory. Like, no, just keep it. And so the territory was Rowan, and it was at the mouth of the Sign River, and it was given to Rollo, the chief of the largest band of Vikings, in the Treaty of Saint Clair Sout Mter around 9-11. And Rollo's Scandinavian countrymen immigrated in large numbers to settle the country, and they adopted French language, customs, and religion. These Vikings became known as the Normans. Mm, yes. And the region that they settled became known as Normandy. So talk about playing the long game. Yeah. They spent centuries <laughs> trying to invade and take over England from their Scandinavian bases. Flash ahead to 1066, William the Conqueror, the Duke of Normandy, he crosses with a sizable army, defeats his cousin Harold at the Battle of Hastings in 1066, and then establishes a line of Norman kings. Basically, the Vikings eventually did take over England, though nobody ever realizes that would happen. Right, because they came uh, from France. Right. Wrap it up with a few main important points. What did they drink? Strong ale, beer, mead mostly. Mm. They also had very low alcohol everyday beer that they drank. But some of their real stout, hearty ales they would take on longer sea voyages to give them calories and keep them alive. Oh. Talk about living to drink. Living to drink. Do they bring IPAs? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the last thing to talk, this is very important. I, mean, I wouldn't listen close to this. Yeah. There is absolutely zero evidence that a Viking, any Viking, even in ceremonial duties, ever wore a helmet with horns on it. Yeah. Okay. It simply didn't exist. 
They think that there was a opera in the late 1800s that was based in Scandinavia with Viking lore, and they think that it was such a popular opera that the costumes for effect had the horns, which mm. I think is to make them look evil, mm. which they were. Makes sense. And so I think that that's where it came from. The traditional helmets would be kind of like a skull cap, if you will, mm -hmm. but they would have a metal frame around their eyes like glasses and then plates at the back that would protect the warrior's neck. Inside of the helmet would have been lined with wool or leather to soften the blows, kind of like styrofoam in a modern bike helmet. So that's the basic history of the Vikings. The sneaky truth of it is, is that they actually did conquer England in 1066. They just had to play the long game. Yeah, two things are super fascinating about the Vikings. The one I didn't know about going down the Volga and entering the Mediterranean yeah. and having contact with the Muslim world. Right. The second one is I was an English major and I love languages. And the reason why English is so effed up and has so many words for so many things and the spelling is not consistent is because of the French and the Norman invasion, because essentially there were two languages overlapping each other. The peasants spoke whatever was the old English, right. and the Normans came in with their French, right? And then they borrowed from each other, and like over and half of English words are from French. And don't forget Celts. Yeah, the Celts yeah. and the Latin and Romans, yeah. of course, and yeah. all that. Right. The Romans did occupy England for quite a few centuries, and mm -hmm. it wasn't until 410 when uh, the Visigoths sacked Rome that Rome kind of lost the resources to support their outer territories, and that's when the Romans Romans, they didn't really leave, just stopped being soldiers and just lived there, yeah. you know, fucked yeah. Celts and just hung out and, <laughs> right. and and just made England what it is today. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. We didn't have a written history of the Vikings until they became Christian mm. and adopted the French and, and were able to start writing down. Like the 16th, 1700s, they would really start to get their oral stories down on paper. Right. Like Beowulf is like yeah. the most famous... Yeah poem yeah the version we have now is from like the 1800s and it's geez it's like a thousand years after any of that would have really happened yeah just think about it spoken word of their history mm -hmm. passed on down for how many oh yeah how long right so we're expecting some embellishments right because if i was telling the story and you weren't there to see it you can bet i did well <laughs> pretty much right <laughs> ed embellishes every story you ever heard Absolutely. on the podcast it didn't happen okay so that was your bit of history yes uh, we, we like to inform and uh here's the whiskey part so, so the whiskey now but first not whiskey right <laughs> you already lied when you start off with a lie i know so the first one is norway and i'll explain why we can't get the whiskey yet and why we have uh, the aquavit instead so norway more formerly known as the Kingdom of Norway, it is a Nordic country comprising the jaggedly terrained western part of the Scandinavian peninsula with the Arctic Ocean to the north and northwest, the North Sea to the south and southwest, Sweden to the east, and Finland to the northeast, high above the Arctic Circle. Nearly 150,000 square miles in size, the country is home to just over 5.5 million people, more than one-fifth of whom live in the capital and largest city of Oslo. In general, all of the Nordic countries have a long and proud tradition of distillation. Indeed, the earliest reference to what many early whiskey-producing cultures called aquavitae, Latin for water of life, dates back to the 16th century. However, their version, called aquavit, is flavored with a variety of herbs like dill and caraway seed and has only recently given way to other more popular spirits. Specifically, the past 15 years have seen a host of new distilleries in the region producing whiskey, vodka, gin, bitters, and yes, aquavit. Incredibly, when Norway was at the height of its distilling power, it was home to thousands of registered distilleries. But in the early 20th century, Norway's own 10-year-long prohibition... Oh my God. 
put a huge damper on the industry. These days, however, Norway boasts the world's northernmost whiskey distillery called Aurora, appropriately, which currently releases locally available limited editions named for events, places, and characters of Norse mythology. But they'll soon be releasing their Bifrost whiskey worldwide sometime during 2025. So we have another year at least. Other popular Norwegian distilleries include Miken, established by six friends in an old fish factory, and the Liney Distillery, which has Aquavit distilling roots going back to 1805. The story goes that when a Norwegian trade family sent a potato-based aquavit to East India, it fared poorly. Upon its return, the long journey had significantly enhanced its flavor, and since that day, every drop of liney aquavit has embarked on a four-month long sea voyage, crossing the equator not just once, but twice, making it the beloved favorite among aquavit enthusiasts worldwide. Oh my god, it's like the original Jefferson Ocean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Maybe that's where they got it from. Yeah, maybe that's where they got the idea. 1805. Oh my God, it's like a reboot like Hollywood does. <laughs> yeah. So because Norwegian whiskey, we can't get it. This is the OG Nordic spirit that you can still get today. It's distilled and just uh, flavored in the liqueur. It's 83 proof. Mash bill is 100% potato and the age is 16 months. Uh, distributing by Sazerac. The vampires, they're everywhere. The price is like 30 bucks and I have their tasting notes. Oh, I get like anise mm-hmm. on the nose, right? I was going to say I'm getting licorice on the nose. Yeah. Oh, this is nice. It's actually a very nice, like an after-dinner aperitif. Yeah, it's, it's herbaceous yeah. and, um, oh yeah, this is really nice. It's got a nice little uh, peppery finish. Right, it's raw. Like you can taste the youth of it for being 83 proof, but I think it makes it better. Yeah, I thought I wasn't really going to like this, but this is actually really good. I actually would drink this. I wonder what this could do in a cocktail too. Like as a, They do use it in cocktails. Yeah, not as a main thing, but yeah. as a enhancer, like a mixer in a way. Yep. Contro or something. Yeah, like I that. wonder like if you could just make a Manhattan and take out the vermouth and use this. It would be a totally, it wouldn't be oh, a Manhattan anymore. It wouldn't anymore. be a Manhattan anymore. But uh, that's what I mean. Take that Manhattan right. template and take right. out the vermouth, but use this instead. Right. That'd be an Oslo. An Oslo? Oh, I like it. I like it. it. Oh, we're going to make one later. We'll make an Oslo. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. I really like this. Mm. I mean, there's not much to it. I'll be clear. No. You know, Sambuca sometimes is just too much, right? It's just like thick. And even the... um, Amaretto or something? No, like the licorice ones. Oh. It's almost like you took... Uzo was one, I think. Uzo. That's what it tastes like. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't come up with it. It reminds me very much of the Greek liqueur. What's cool about this is because it has dill and caraway, that's what kind of rye bread tastes like. So this has a mm-hmm. really good rye character. So mixing this in a cocktail with rye would probably be awesome. I think it's something we need to explore later off air. Yeah. Yes. We don't have time on air today. <laughs> Brian, what do you think about this? You like it? You're a Viking. Yeah. Brian's like, I, have, <laughs> I drank this in Iceland while I was scaling a mountain. This always tastes like if you're in a multi-dish dinner that this could be served in between yes. as a palate oh. cleanse. Love yeah, that. Yeah. Like in a Viking lodge. Between the mutton and the... <laughs> it cleared out all the chocolate chip cookie I had earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the pal- I have a clean palate now. Right. Oh, we'll right. use this between the other whiskeys. Right. Save it for March Madness. <laughs> we'll use this to clean our palate between the other whiskeys. Yeah, because it's not too sweet. I was kind of worried it would be too sweet, but it no, really it's not, isn't. It's very dry, actually, on a finish. Yeah. So the tasting notes, the nose, caraway, anise, orange peel, followed by a delicate hint of vanilla. On the palate, oak, caraway, and anise with notes of old sherry. And the finish is... Old con- sherry. <laughs> oh. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why anyone listens to us. Go uh, ahead. They're on the fittest, comfortingly warm, lingering with a subtle sweetness. Yes. That's what yes. we said. Sea barrel? Is it that hard? <laughs> to just tell us exactly what it tastes like? 
Oh, shit. Yeah, this is really good. So I guess we don't need to do palate cleanser for the next. No, we're right. No, the we're next along. spirit. All right. Uh, so we're going to do Sweden. More formerly known as the Kingdom of Sweden is once again a Nordic country located in the Scandinavian Peninsula in Northern Europe, wedged directly between Norway to the west and North, Finland to the east, and connected to Denmark to the south by a bridge tunnel across the Oresund, a waterway that connects the North Sea to the Baltic Sea. At over 173,000 square miles, Sweden is the largest Nordic country and the fifth largest country in Europe, home to 10.5 million people, approximately one quarter of whom live in and around the capital and largest city, Stockholm. Although Sweden has a long history of producing vodka and other spirits, including Aquavit. Its journey into whiskey production didn't really get going until the late 20th and early 21st centuries, coinciding with the global resurgence of whiskey as a premium artisanal spirit. One of the pioneers in the field is Macmira Svensk Whiskey, established in 1999, which proved that exceptional whiskey could come from Scandinavia. Since then, a number of distillers have followed suit, each developing a unique take, including the spirit of Hven, Smolgen, and High Coast, one of whose expressions we'll be tasting in a minute. But what sets Swedish whiskey apart is its innovative approach to aging. Although ex-bourbon and ex-sherry casks are commonly used, Swedish distilleries also experiment with new types of wood, including Swedish oak that imparts a distinctly spicy character. Some distilleries also use casks that previously held Swedish wine or berries, which can add a unique fruity or tart notes to the final product. And of course, climate plays a vital role in the maturation process as well, for all of these countries really, because significant temperature fluctuations between the seasons, especially in the southern areas of these countries, can, as we know, influence the interaction between the whiskey and the wood, enhancing flavor development within the cask. Alternatively, some distilleries have even explored aging in warehouses built into the sides of mountains or in former military bunkers in order to make use of the consistently cool temperatures in those locations. So the one we are tasting today is the High Coast Berg Single Malt, and Brian's going to tell us about it. All right, with the Berg, it's 100% malt barley, single malt, duh. Nice. Mm-hmm. Finish in... First fill bourbon cast, and then finished in Pedro Jimenez <laughs> sherry cast. All right. There is no age statement that is able to find mm. anywhere. ABV is 50% or 100 proof. Yeah. It is 100 yes. proof, which is really a pretty high single malt, Scott. Yeah. In your face, Scotland, with your 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it smells like a Scotch, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but this smells like our type. It smells almost like an Abuna. Oh, yeah. Not a smoky Scotch. No, it smells like a Speyside or a Highland Scotch, mm. maybe. Oh, yeah, or High Scott. High Scott. High Scott. <laughs> A Space Side Highland combo. Yeah. yeah. It smells sweet. Like raisins. Yeah. yeah. Like a dried fruit. Yeah. But there's something else there. And, and maybe it's the Pedro Jimenez sherry influence on it. Because it has like intense dried fruit wine kind of notes. There's a little sourness on the nose and not in a bad way, but like mm. a tang. Yeah, there is. Because it kind of turns at the end. And a little bit of a, not smoky, but a burnt quality on the nose. Mm. Like like burnt wood. Oh, yeah. There is a sort of a charred note yeah. at the very end. Yeah. Does have first full bourbon. Uh, right. Right. Barrel. True. You know, so right. those are toasted or. Yeah, right. I'm sure. A little bit. Yeah, because like if you're using the ex bourbon, maybe a lot of flavor has already been extracted from the actual bourbon. So you're going to get more of the char. Yeah, that's possible. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's give it a taste. Tastes that's like a scotch. Yeah. I mean, it's barley. That's the, that's yeah. that barley flavor. Oh, the wine comes in mm. at the end and it's yeah. kind of drying. Like a red wine. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's neat. I get okay. uh, maybe a little, I don't know, peach. Like uh, I always say peach, but I don't mean the really sweet part of the peach. I mean the, the part of the peach that I usually don't like 
about peaches because uh, peaches are really sweet, but they also have that kind of, I don't know, acrid kind of near uh, the skin knife in the throat. Like kind of the, the skin's kind of bitter. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I mean. Mm. Maybe an unripened peach. Okay, there you go. An unripened peach I'm getting. Thank you, Brian. It's really hard. I can drink that. In fact, I will. (laughs) I'm getting like a vanilla cookie. Yeah. It's vanilla very very early on the palate. Um, on the tongue. And then it goes into kind of like like a cakey quality. Mm. Um, Then I get a little cherry note also. mm. Dark cherry. Full rich. And again, Mm. that has to be the Pedro Jimenez. There's definitely a sweeter fruit in there. Like you said. Yeah, I said raisins. That was on the nose, but it doesn't taste like raisins. raisins. Yeah, I was going to say. It's fruity, though. It's almost like a dessert scotch, Mm. in my opinion. This is another one that could end a night after a meal when you're having dessert. This might be nice to sip on with it. It definitely has a char element to it on the taste as well. Yeah, but not as much on the nose. No, so I yeah. agree. Yeah. I, it's in the finish. It's just, yeah. just in the finish. Yeah, Brian, what are you thinking? Well, to follow on with your cherry comment. Yeah, yeah. I think this would pair well with Black Forest Cake because <laughs> of the sour mm-hmm. cherry. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not that sour of the yeah. cherry, but... I think that could bring out the cherry in a bite. And some of the vanilla sugary notes that we got would definitely go with the dark chocolate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. By the way, how much did you pay for this? Uh, Do you remember? 50, 60 bucks. Okay. Did you get this there and bring it home or did you order it? I went all the way to Cherry Hill. Okay. (laughs) Banash. Oh, Banash has it. Of course they do. Viking long ship. (laughs) Of course they do. You know, when I was in Sweden, um, (laughs) I didn't. Here we go. (laughs) I didn't drink any whiskeys. And so I was focusing on beer because, you know, there was Swedish beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, the, the Swedish bar girl, right? Isn't like a, the St. Paul girl. Mm. Oh, that's German. I know. Yeah, but, right. That's German, but, right. But, no, but not when you're over there. Like when you're over there, yeah. you know, I feel like Ryan from the office. No, but no, but when you're there, <laughs> no, you don't know. I know you know, but when you really, you don't really know unless you're there, unless you've been in Sweden. No. So um, there, I didn't even think to look for whiskey on the menu in yeah. fact when i did it was almost all whiskeys that i recognized as imports yeah it's and only been in the last 20 years that they've actually right. started so yeah i can see that yeah so i just wasn't even thinking same thing when i was in denmark if you get a chance god go oh my god denmark <laughs> denmark is really nice. denmark's coming up What's so you can save though? your What's condescension for them exactly let me know when i can be incredibly annoying <laughs> and when i can do my entitled travel voice no 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 you can't just read about it you have to be there oh, <laughs> And this is actually the second thing we've had in this episode already that was better than I expected. So <laughs> it's a great thing. Man. Yeah, it's a great start. Because I don't know if you listened to our Moonshine episode. Oh, uh, my God. Because <laughs> uh, that was just one plane crash after another. It was sad. It was a sad day for us. <laughs> All right. So let's do the taste and notes of this. Uh, I think we did really well. This was from secondphil.com. The nose, burnt sugar, wine, and raisins, and our overall sugary nose. Oh, yeah, raisins. Yeah. On the palate, a tad spicier than the nose with a nice thick and creamy mouthfeel a little dry but tons of sweet candy citrus and tea Mm. interesting that could be sort of the smoke that tannic that we're getting yeah on the finish the initial spice kick fades into a long and warm finish that's still sweet and typical Pedro Jimenez dryness at the end yeah Yeah. right. right, let's take a quick break so we can uh, clean some glasses right Scott yeah and then we'll do uh, the final three
All right, so we're back. We've washed the glasses, and we've correctly filled them with the last three whiskeys that we're going to try from the Viking countries, if you will, yeah. Iceland, Denmark, and Finland. Correct. And uh, Scott uh, wants to enlighten us with some knowledge. Yeah, so I knew this before, but then it just in researching this episode and all the countries and the Norse and the Vikings and stuff, I was reminded by the fact that we use Viking terminology every single day in our lives, literally, because our days of the week are named for Viking lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so briefly, Sunday is named after the sun, of right. course, yeah. as it is in Scandinavia. Right. Monday is named after the moon. Tyr was a Norse god associated with war and justice, and Tuesday is named after him. Odin, the chief god of yeah. Norse mythology, was sometimes called Woden, mm-hmm. and then Woden's day is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thursday is Thor's day. That's Makes right. Yeah. That's right. And Friday is named after a goddess of uh, love and fertility called Frigg, or maybe Frigg or Frigg. I don't know how mm-hmm. to say it, but that Friday's named after her. And Saturday has the least connection. Saturday, of course, is named after Saturn, the Roman god of agriculture. But Saturday's really the well, only one that's not quite connected. Wasn't Saturn? Oh, he was a god, not as agriculture, was he? I forget. Uh, he was the second in charge, though, right? Mm-hmm. Did he kill Jupiter? Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Didn't he rebel against right, Jupiter Ju- or something like Jupiter that? Jupiter was Zeus, right? In yeah. The, in the uh, Greek. In the Greeks, Greeks yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Saturn wasn't like Hades, right? He wasn't. Um, who's the guy that runs? The, uh, uh, Neptune? Uh, or no, that's no, C. C. Uh, uh, Come on, Scott. Neptune. Uranus. <laughs> no, it's Don't show us your Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. Now we're all Googling. Now we're all Googling Saturn. As long as it doesn't say agriculture, I'm happy. Just as long as you're wrong. Saturn is the god of agriculture. No, it's not. <laughs> yes. Is it? Harvest and seed, sowing, oh, agriculture. Oh, shit. Ed. Uh, he is similar to the Greek god of Kronos, Kronos. Right, the god of who time. is the father of Zeus. Oh, who was the father of Zeus? Oh, so Saturn was the father of Jupiter, and Jupiter yes. rebelled against him. So I had it backwards. Right. Uh, he's the god of time also. I think a little more important than just agriculture. I mean... Mm. I mean, time, generation, dissolution, abundance, wealth, agriculture, periodic renewal, and liberation. To be here because you're half Well, if you want to be bad at Saturn, he consorted with his sister, Oops. Oops. O-P-S, or Ops, with whom he fathered Jupiter, Neptune. Pluto was the one I was thinking of. Oh, Pluto. He's the god of the underworld. Yeah. Wait a minute. He fathered Juno, who was the wife of Jupiter? What type of incestuous nightmare was the gods? Welcome to mythology. That's right. (laughs) Mythology sounds like Epstein Island. Oh, damn. It's good to be a god. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to be the god. Not if I do my sister, it wouldn't be. Oh, shit. (laughs) All right, so let's get back to the whiskeys. So the next country that we're going to do is Iceland. Iceland is a volcanic island nation, which, although it lies in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean, is considered to be a Nordic country that is also part of Europe. Only 40,000 square miles in size, it is Europe's most sparsely populated country, home to only about half a million people, over one-third of whom live in its capital and largest city of Reykjavik. Unsurprisingly, Iceland does not have a rich history of distilling whiskey as their ancestors had been far more interested in making mead and ale, so it's probably not the first place that springs to mind when you think about single malt. Indeed, the Einverk distillery, whose expression we're trying tonight, is Iceland's first and only whiskey distillery launched just in 2009. They use 100% Icelandic-grown barley, primarily something called Crea, a fast-growing two-row strain similar to the bear barley used by Scotland's Brookladdy distillery. This Icelandic strain thrives in the 
short, intense Icelandic summers, but has an incredibly low sugar yield, thus requiring the use of much more of it than would usually be the case, resulting in a sweet, bread-like American-style malt with sharp notes of spice. Also, one of the most unusual features of Icelandic whiskey is that their smoky varieties utilize sheep's dung rather than peat, which imparts unusually sweet, though quite pungent, I'm sure, aromas. Oh. Today, the Einwerk Distillery makes several whiskeys under a single brand called Floki, named after a famous Viking of legend who was one of the first people to visit the island. They use their own custom-made distillation equipment and mature the distillate in new American oak casks to create complex malts with a unique blend of the characteristics found in bourbon scotch and Irish whiskeys. And we're trying their Floki single malt, and Brian has the stats. All right. I was at malt to barley. Okay. The cask is X young malt barrels. So the younger version of this. Right. They have a fluky young malt or something, right? Right. And then they uh, aged it under uh, Hecla. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's in there, young. It, well, no, ate, leave it, it, in there? it ages a bit. You dump it out and then you put this new stuff back in. So it's kind of interesting. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you just leave it? Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what the process was. Yeah. At some point, it was original American oak barrels. Do you have any more stats? Or it's uh, aged three years. Three this years. Three okay. years. Yeah. And it's 94 proof. 94. Now, I can talk about this distillery a little bit. I've been there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so this distillery is interesting in that they try to source everything from the aisle. Yeah. So everything. That's why they have smoked sheep dung whiskey because right. there's no peat on the island. Right. They have plenty of sheep dung. Yeah. So they say, hey, that's... That's what they burn. They exactly. don't really have a lot of trees either. <laughs> and like their gin, their gin's really good. Doesn't have the juniper in your face. They luckily had some form of juniper that grew on the island. Oh. And then all the other herbs are from... from Native Dice Land. Awesome. Mm. What did you like best when you were there, spirit-wise? The gin was really good. Uh, I definitely like the whiskey better. I'm a whiskey guy, but uh, right. I do have a little spot for gin lately. Okay. This one, to be clear, is not smoky, right? This is not sheep no. dung smoked. It's not the sheep dung smoked. It's okay. not the young one. It's the, the older brother. Yeah. If you notice in the bottle, there's three birds around the logo. Yeah. So when the Viking Floki, and he's on his boat, and he's like, all right, I don't know what's here. Let me send some ravens out, see if there's something there. And he sent out three ravens, and they brought back stuff, letting him know there is an actual mm. land. It's there. not just ice. It's There's actual land yeah, there. It's, right. it's, it actually has a lot of Viking imagery on the label. Yeah. I, I think it's important to add that this is a 500 milliliter bottle. Yeah. I don't think we said it's that. It's smaller, yeah. Yeah, it's not 375 like you would get in America, which is a half bottle. This is actually 500. And you said you got this at Banash? Do you remember? No. Oh, not this one. was Duty oh, Free. Oh, a Duty Free shop. Uh, in Reykjavik. Oh, at you got airport. this at the airport. Oh, yeah. this bottle's been to Iceland. Right. It's from Iceland. Just right. like Brian. <laughs> Did you find Iceland exciting or not exciting? Because our friend Jeff, if you want to hear his Iceland rant, we can play it for you when we're off air later. It's pretty funny. From Iceland, Havalar. Oh, that sounds so exotic. What's in that, Scott? Whale testicles are smoked with sheep's dung, then combined with pure Icelandic water, malted barley, and hops to produce the seasonal beer for the midwinter festival known as Thori. What's wrong with these fucking people in Iceland? I have no desire to go there. It's like every I, I actually want to go. But everything is like dried fish. Yeah, they do love out. fish. They yeah. love their well. They, fish they live on an island. It's a volcanic island. They have no well, trees, which is why they have sheets dung being used to smoke. So I only could find one review of it and it was on beeradvocate.com. They gave it a 1.6 out of 5. It says, smells like a very malty brown ale, a little bit of smoke, but flavor is excessively bland with some earthiness, but not something I would ever recommend. Flavor is excessively bland? Yeah. Just like Iceland. <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you, do you think? Mrs. Brian and I absolutely loved it. Oh, you loved it. We were there in the uh, beginning of January of 2019 for three days. Loved every second of it. Outstanding. Uh, people were friendly. They all spoke English. Mm. Kind of saw Northern Lights, mm. okay. but not enough. So we had a three-year thing to go back and go on their tour mm. to catch it again. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, that's neat. really nice. I mean, except for that giant plane ticket <laughs> price to go back to Iceland. But <laughs> right. yeah. Other wasn't, than that. Wasn't too bad. No. Uh, nice thing about Iceland Air. Iceland can be a layover on your way to somewhere oh, else. Oh, right. Which is so really nice. So you can nice. go there, stop over, see the Northern Lights, and go to Scotland. Scotland, Denmark, Denmark Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, this smells weird. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not being negative. It smells like a single malt scotch with a dash of moonshine yeah. in the bottom of the glass. It smells moonshiny. It smells a little like paper. <laughs> and you've had to drink straight moonshine like Scott and I to know what we're talking about. It's yeah. very raw alcohol. Yeah. And also kind of has a green, yes. like a green whiskey. Like dry green. It, smel- yeah. it smells like dried herring. <laughs> it doesn't smell like fish at all. Stop that. The nose is not appealing. I'm hoping that the palate is far different than the nose. Mm. It's also very light color, everybody. It's extremely it's, light. It's very healthy urine. Yeah. Very healthy urine. Uh, well, okay. Wow. This is strange. I prefer my whiskey to look like a dialysis patient. So this does not taste like a single malt. Like this doesn't taste like a scotch. Like the last one kind of tasted scotchy. Uh, it has a sweetness at the beginning. The dry grain finish on this, it tastes like grains in a barrel might smell. You really don't taste anything like seaweedy, like anything from the sea. You know how you have like seaweed salad or something? Do you get any of that element on this? I can see what you're saying. Yeah, like not raw fish. Like I'm not like tuna fish or something. I'm just saying like there's something ocean like. Did you ever have the seaweed snacks that are dry in this? Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Yes. The, sheets, the dried seaweed snacks. The, exactly. Yes. Like nori or whatever that is. Yeah. Yes. yes. And then like you snap it off and people eat it like a potato chip if you're Asian. Yeah. No offense, so so I do see that. And I get kind of what when you eat saltines or like really like mm. water crackers, mm. if it Keep had coming. a little bit of salt. Keep coming, like a, like licking a sardine maybe. Uh, no. That saltiness. <laughs> there, right. So there's a bready saltiness drying at the end for me. Not as much as I think what you guys are tasting, but I get it. I see where you're going. I'm glad Jeff isn't here because Jeff would be like, exactly. <laughs> He's like, Iceland, everything tastes like fish. <laughs> exactly. It has a sort of a vinyl-y, and I said paper earlier, it has that really raw wood kind of note to it. It's not terrible. I don't dislike it, but it's very different from what we've had before. I'm out. No, you don't like it? <laughs> yeah, I'm out on it. It's, I respect what they're doing. It's a little weird. I'll be honest with you. I think they made one that represents Iceland perfectly because maybe, <laughs> maybe just aging it in that climate with that sea breeze coming through. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the wood is permeable. Yeah. The barrel. Like, In fact, this actually kind of tastes like a sea breeze to me. Like when you're standing on a windy day down the shore and the mist is hitting you. Yep. You leave that little bit of saltiness on your lips and tongue. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree with that. And so I give them a lot of credit for creating a uniquely Icelandic whiskey. So I'll say this. When I was there, they had three whiskeys. The young, this one, and the sheep's tongue smoked. Yeah. Yeah. I see on their website they have a more variety now. Oh, really? So possibly, because they were still a young distillery at the time, they now have time to age things up further. Right. uh, Start age uh finishing maybe yeah right. this is what it used to taste like but it might taste better now uh it is very light as we yes, said very light and mm-hmm. how long ago did you purchase this how long? 2019 okay so this is an expression that they produced and sold to you five years ago 
Right. Right. <laughs> four, four and a half. Yeah. I mean, like it's, that. it's yeah. still three years age, though. It's not raw. It's not, right, like, no. it's not like a year, but it also doesn't get very hot up there. So maybe three years there is not quite three years in Kentucky yeah, or, de- or three or years Kentucky, in Texas. Texas. Yeah. yeah, definitely isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you for that. That was, yeah. that was a really interesting experience. <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> That's what's so great about this. It's like we'd never had any of these whiskeys before and nothing from any of these countries before. So it's a learning experience for us. I love people to be like, have you ever had Iceland? Oh, yeah. I've had Iceland whiskey. Yeah. So we're going to do the tasting notes. Oh, yeah. Do taste notes. Let's yeah. see what they say. Yeah. This is somebody called the Whiskey Waffle on the nose. Light and grassy with undertones of caramel, honey, pineapple, apple, orange, pine sap, juniper, rose, sandalwood, cereal, and metal. Oh, my God. I don't t- smell any of that. Icelandic metal. Right, all death metal. Yeah. There is Viking metal. There is Viking metal. There is. Sure. It's a subgenre, right? Um, I didn't get any of that except the light and grassy. <laughs> I can see the caramel. Pine sap, maybe? Yep. I can smell cereal, little, definitely. I can, I can smell a little juniper in there. A yeah, little bit. and cereal. So uh, three or four out of the 90 things that he listed. Yeah, not there. seaweed, though. No. All on the palate, a light, dry, and zingy combination of oaky wood dust. Yes. Right. Okay. Almonds, walnuts, and burnt orange. All right. Um, I got paper. I don't know what to say about that. But there was a sweetness, which they're not saying. They're saying wood dust and nuts and burnt orange. Okay, so on the finish, sharp, hot, and bitter coating right across the back of the tongue and lingering for some time. So, yeah, so, I can kind of agree with that. So not much, really, from that guy. Not much. He gives us a hell of a nose. And hell then, of a and nose. And shits to bed on the palate and on, <laughs> and on the finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whiskey waffle. Uh, thanks for nothing. Yeah, it was waffling. <laughs> Uh, not really sure what I'm tasting. All right. So we'll just move on to the next spirit. All right. From Denmark. This one might be a little smoky, right, Brian? Might be a little bit. Might a little smoky. It's been a while since I've had it. Okay. So Denmark, also known as Metropolitan Denmark, it's very froofy, is the most populous constituent of the Kingdom of Denmark, which includes the autonomous territories of the Faroe Islands and Greenland, located in the North Atlantic and Arctic oceans respectively it is the southernmost scandinavian country lying as it does on a small peninsula south of sweden and just north of germany with which it shares a short land border just 16,000 square miles in size it's the smallest nordic nation but boasts a population of six million people mm. about a quarter of whom live in its capital and largest city copenhagen mm, nice city if you can get there Lovely. You have to Lovely. be there, though. Yeah, you can. Because if you're not yeah. there, then yeah, you don't you know. You can watch a YouTube tour of it, which is nice, but it's not like being there. No. No. <laughs> Denmark became a whiskey-producing nation in 1922 when distilling began at the state-controlled Dedanske Spiritsfabriken distillery. However, this was limited in scale, and it quickly became apparent that it was cheaper and easier to secure whiskey through Scottish imports than to do so via domestic production. But attitudes changed after World War II when trade routes became restricted, whereafter the whiskey supply threatened to dry up. So in 1952, the first Danish commercial whiskey was created under the CLOC brand, short for the Latin term Cuminum Liquidum Optimum Castelli, which roughly translates to the castle's best cumin liqueur. Mm. Referring to a castle located near the company's headquarters and because it was infused with the spice cumin, Perhaps unsurprisingly, the whiskey was not well-received, and it showed no resemblance to the Scottish spirits favored by the Danish population, and production eventually ceased in 1974. The current era of Danish whiskey production began in earnest in 2005, with three major distilleries beginning to produce whiskies of their own, Dingarden, Lily Gadegard, Bronsta, and Stauning, the latter of which was started by nine friends with a small still acquired from Spain. After years of experimentation in 2009, this distillery went into operation. In 2013, they were bought by Diageo, 
and in 2018, they opened the doors to a new and modern purpose-built distillery that increased their yield tenfold. Today, Stawning continues to produce 100% Danish whiskeys, utilizing locally grown rye and barley, floor malting it, and distilling it in small fire-heated pot stills to create single malts and ryes, as well as their blended triple malt that we're about to try right now. Yeah, it's interesting. If you've ever been to Denmark uh, and Sweden, they're right next to each other. Have you been to both of them? I've only been to Denmark. Okay. So Denmark is flat like New Jersey mm. and Sweden's like Maine. It's like yeah. <laughs> mountains. trees everywhere, yeah. mountainous, rocky coast yeah. and up and down. Forests. Like it's just the topography is completely different. Lobsters. <laughs> thank you. Right. right. Lobsters. Every, no, they weren't. I didn't see lobsters. But, but what's really crazy not living in that part of the world is what you don't know is that Denmark and Sweden absolutely <laughs> hated each other for a millennium. <laughs> like they have fought so many wars with each other that we've never learned about in America because why would we? I mean. Right. They have this beautiful fountain at this fortress in Fredericksburg. I mean, it's gorgeous of like horses and charging and all. This is in Denmark. And they're like, well, this is a reproduction because one time Sweden came over here and stole the original and took it back to Sweden. <laughs> and they won't give it back to us. Not even now. <laughs> and some people in the tour group are like, that's messed up. And she goes, this is the Denmark girl. She goes, oh, no, no, no. We know why. We know why. <laughs> Two days later, we're in Stockholm, and the person is telling us how the king of Denmark, in this square that we were standing, round up like the top 64 lords in the area and beheaded all of them. Oh, my God. And that's the reason that they went and they stole, went stole the, the fountain. It took a while for that to come out, but we brought up the fountain, and she's like, oh, they're never getting the fountain back. <laughs> she, in fact, the Denmark people had to ask permission to send engineers over to copy their own fountain to reproduce it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a dozen stories like that that make you laugh out loud. Yeah. When you realize how much Denmark and Sweden have hated each other over the last thousand years, it's absolutely hysterical. That's great. It's got to be like England and France. You know what I mean? Like we know England and France don't like each other for hundreds of years, right? Yeah. They still don't like each other. They have to get along for economy reasons. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, if, if like a French house burned down, like, yeah, fuck you, French. You know, that's how they are. <laughs> Frenchies. Yeah, Frenchies. <laughs> all right. So we're tasting the Stawning Chaos, K-A-O-S, all caps, triple malt. And uh, Brian has description and stats. All right. So for Chaos. We have malted barley, mm-hmm. smoked malted barley. Oh, that's peated. Okay. And malted rye. They're aged in heavy charred virgin American oak barrels mm. and first fill maker's mark. Oh. Uh, it's then aged four to five years and it's 92 proof. All right. I will say this. The bottle's one of the most unique bottles we ever see. Did you take a good look at this guy? Uh, I didn't. No. So it's like a gold etching of the distillery and the whole process. There's barrels floating. There's the pot still with fire under it. Ooh. Yeah, take a look at that real quick. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. cool looking. Never seen a bottle that describes the process of making the whiskey on the outside of the bottle before. Oh, yeah. So it's like sort of etched. In yeah. Some, it's like a... a um, it, it's a gold etching. Yeah. How and did I say it wrong, Scott? Random belligerent. It's tired of Scott's nonsense edition. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the the style of art. It's very ornately designed, and very almost specific. like Japanese or yes, Asian. Yes, it does look yeah. almost Japanese, and it has that sort of black finish that fades into the top, and mm-hmm. where it's all black at the top, like a yeah. new riff, like yeah. a new yeah, riff. Yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. They have 24 of those copper pot still small ones. They're not that big. They said. Yeah. What's the proof again? 92. 92. And and aged? Four to five years. Four to five years. Okay, so longer than the Iceland. I will say, as I look at Nordic distilleries, it seems like a lot of them are very much into the locally sourced yes. grains, yeah. stuff Grain, within country, grain to glass. and sustainability. Yep. Uh, I've been to a Copenhagen Distillery when I was in Copenhagen. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the roof of the warehouse, they were putting up a herb garden. Oh. 
so they can grow their own herbs for their gin. We, we started making whiskey, but it's very expensive by the looks. Oh. So I'm not willing to spend that much. There you go. You got to make bob and weave, as we've talked about no, on here. That's right. All right. So let's get the nose is very traditional scotch. I've already done it. Yeah. And it's, you definitely smell the smoke on this one. Yeah. It's not crazy. No, it's not overwhelming, no, but no. it's there. What's a lightly smoked one that isn't that off-putting? Oh, um, we had one, one. Is it like a mm, Dalwini or a... Lagavulin. No, Lagavulin is very smoky, and oh. so is Argbeg. I'm talking about one that's a little bit less Well, Lafroy is more than that. How about uh, Bruchelati? Bruchelati, maybe? Bruchelati. Oh, maybe it was at that tasting up in New York we did. Oh, yeah. So tasting. we tasted a bunch of scotches at that place. Yeah, and it, it, some it, of the... Including were, the one he just mentioned. The Bruchelati. Yeah, because yeah. it was their yeah. tasting event. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's what I'm tasting. Could be. Yep. Good job, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> of all the scotches, he pulls the exact one I'm searching for in my mind. <laughs> Hello, Brian. They make good stuff. <laughs> I really like the smell of it. There's a little bit of, oh, what's that at the end? It's like a, almost like bacon. Like a, like a meaty saltiness in the background. Not sweet at all though. On the, no, there's not a sweet nose. It's, but a smoked meat. That's what you're getting, Scott. You're getting the smoked bacon. You're getting a a smoked barbecue. And I I get the exact same thing. Very salty on the nose. It's kind of like I'm standing next to my smoker. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit's coming out. A little little bit of the aroma of the smoked meat is coming out there. Yeah. Like a pumpkin type of a thing. Oh, like a a squash or pumpkin. Yep. I'm getting gourd. Yep. <laughs> it smells really good. I'm not put off by any stretch. I'm getting some vanilla. Vanilla. Okay. Uh, it's very mild. I just took a sip. It tastes like a scotch. It's very drinkable at 92. The, you know, Ooh. I don't even know that I want to put water in this, to be honest. I think it's perfect right where it is. But So kind of the salty, meaty quality that I was smelling, yeah. I'm tasting It's there. Now. It's very salty. It's yeah. very savory. Savory is the savory. exact yeah, word. There's no sweetness on this whiskey at all that I can detect. Just a little bit, but the, the savoriness really hits you home. Although on the finish now, I think the sweetness lingers after it's gone. Like I'm not really tasting the meatiness as much as I'm tasting like a little bit of sugary sweetness. I agree with that, Scott. Yeah. Never had a scotch quite like this one. Mm. And it's not a scotch, it's a single malt. But I mean, since I'm comparing it to scotches, I have to be honest, it tastes like a scotch when you first sip it, but it's the end of the palate and the finish that is different. Yeah. I don't know if you drink scotch with dinner or barbecue, but this is one you'd want to drink with barbecue. Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, like a smoked wings or something, like a smoked turkey leg. Like it, you get at Renaissance Fair, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> what was the um, barbecue flavored whiskey that we had? Yes. That um, Gabe brought? I think I have some. Wait, <laughs> wait. It wasn't Screwball. That's the peanut butter one. It right. Was, it was Curveball, I think it was called. Curveball. With a K. Yes. And it's Curveball yes. barbecue whiskey. And it has some elements of this. But yes. if that wasn't sweet, right. that's what this would taste like if you t- yes. remove all the sweetness yeah. out I of mean, it. I mean, as close as thing we have in America is guess what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure if we went through all the scotches that are made in Scotland. Oh, God. We'd find quite a few like this. I just haven't drank that many scotches. Mm -hmm. Considering I've drank over 300 bourbons and rocks. (laughs) I I have scotch like this. Yeah, yeah. You're a much bigger scotch drinker than we are. Right. So when I say I've never had a scotch like this, people are like, so what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So, Brian, what do you think of it? Yeah, exactly. What do you think of it? Oh, scotch master. (laughs) Um, 
It's very good. It's definitely uh, dry. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely complements barbecue. Did you open this fresh here or did you try it already? I've had this uh, in oh, had the Ivan calendars. Yeah, but revisiting now, like you're really glad you bought it. It's, it's going to be Absolutely. Like, outstanding. That's outstanding. This could be gone in a couple months. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. It'll be in the rotation. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, sure. I really like it. And as all of you know, we're not big into number one scotch and we're not really big at all into yeah. smoky scotches, but I would absolutely, not every night, but to, for a change of pace, this is quite pleasant. This one you got a Benash or did you get this in country? I forgot where I got that at. Mm. Wasn't in country. You got to hear though. It's in America? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Benash. If we'll just say Benash. If, if they don't have Benash, <laughs> Benash doesn't have it, I'll just shame them to get it. <laughs> but I will say this. Yeah. Fire. Fire. Fire? A fire whiskey. Oh, I got you. Well, you're just sitting around a fire. Oh, fire yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Goes good with s'mores. From what I understand. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll go great with s'mores. <laughs> See, it'll cut that sweetness down. I'm definitely getting more vanilla now that I'm sipping it yeah. more, and we kind of breathe in. You get the essence of vanilla in your mouth. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe. That's South African. That's half African. Yeah, wasn't that? What do you mean? Was that band from South Africa? No, it was Bush. No, they're from England. They're from England? Yeah, they're Gavin Rossdale. Caesar from uh, South Africa then? Caesar? Caesar. Oh, oh Caesar. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a different band. Yeah. They might be yeah. from South Africa. Yeah. I don't know. Someone's from South Africa. Yeah, yeah. I don't Someone think it's Bush. Someone that had a hit or two? I don't think it's yeah, Bush. I'll just cut this all Bush out. Is a, Bush is an English <laughs> band. Bush is an English band. Okay, so let's do the tasting notes. Caesar is a South African band. It, okay, okay, there, there you go. go. See? There you go. Yeah, I'm confused. They sound yeah. the same to yeah. me. All right, so we'll do the tasting notes. These are from Whiskey in My Wedding Ring. We actually met this guy at that Scotch tasting that you were just talking about, Ed. Okay. We, he said that he used our podcast for research. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, we were like, oh, of course you do. Because we're the best. You should send him an email because I lost his card. I wanted to connect with him. He seemed yeah, like yeah. a cool guy. Tell him that we're talking uh, about him. And so, him for research. Yeah, that's right. We're <laughs> returning the favor. So on the nose, sweet wood smoke and heady malt that emerges after the smoke ebbs a bit with light heat and a touch of salt air hitting a pine forest. Perfect. Yeah. Right there, man. Good job. Really good. Uh, on the palate, like effervescent smoke wafting off salted pretzels, it has a malty sweetness that's silky and a bit spicy with stone fruits emerging as well. All right. I mean, he gets more sweetness than we do, but mm-hmm. we don't know what bottle he got. And and when you're doing a grain to glass, each batch is a little different. Yeah. On the finish, think apple or cherry wood being charcoaled before the pork is put in the smoker. Yep. The finish is medium long and just as coating as the palate. That was, right. yeah. Great job, man. You crushed this one. It wasn't an easy whiskey to, to get. No, no. We mentioned the smoker and the wood. Again? Say the same for us. It's whiskey in my wedding ring. All right. So are you ready for the last whiskey of the evening? Can we take a five-minute break to cleanse the smoke off my palate? Sure. I, I do feel like that whiskey was smoky enough where it's going to affect me going into this last one. Let's break right. out the Aquavit. Just five minutes. Yeah, get the Aquavit out. Okay. Aquavit <laughs> out, and then we'll be right back. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I think that might be the answer. <laughs>
So we're back. We've cleansed our palate with the Aquavit. Really works. It works great, man. Two swigs of that, and my mouth is reset for new whiskey. I want to also give a shout out to uh, David Levine, who is the mm. host of the podcast and reviews. Yeah. Brian was able to <laughs> procure his name. The whiskey in my wedding ring. Yep. And so hopefully we can still collaborate up in the new year here. All right. So All right. thanks for the review. David helped us a lot. That's right. Thanks, Dave. So the last whiskey that we have. Right. The one that's going to finish the podcast. <laughs> The one from Finland. And warning, I've been to Finland too. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you had to be there. I have not been to Finland. You had to be there, Brian. You had to be there. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, the same. Yeah. It's not, you, had, yeah. you had to be there. The people are the color of notebook paper. <laughs> they are the whitest people I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't even look real when you see them. You just stare at them oh at first. God. And then they're all the same, and they all ride bicycles. <laughs> yeah. All 3.5 million of them. Well, actually, there's more than that. Oh, well, there was when I went. Okay. <laughs> Finland also known as the Republic of Finland, is like the other countries we've covered tonight, a Nordic nation in Northern Europe, Sweden to the west, Norway to the north, Russia to the east, and the Gulf of Finland to the south and southwest. It is the easternmost Scandinavian country, nearly 350,000 square miles in size, with a population of 5.6 million people, about one-third of whom live in its capital and largest city, Helsinki. That's where I was, and also been in the Gulf of Finland, if anybody cares, and they don't. <laughs> Finland has a long history of distilling local spirits that aren't whiskey, most notably a vodka called Koskenkorva, made from barley, but the country's first actual whiskey distilling didn't occur until 1981 at a state-owned distillery called Alco, which produced and released a whiskey of the same name. Two years later, they released something called Visky 88 and eventually a 10-year expression, all of which they continued to create until the company halted production in the year 2000. But in the ensuing decades, four distilleries have been producing whiskey in Finland, including Tiran Peli, who began in 2002, Panamora Ventola Beer Hunters in 2004, Koulu in 2009, and the newest one, Cairo, in 2014. Cairo, which we'll be tasting soon, was started by five good friends who were having a sauna and drinking rye whiskey when they began to ponder why nobody was making rye whiskey in Finland. Surprisingly, the idea of starting their own distillery still seemed like a good one the following morning, and from there, the journey of Cairo began. As the story goes, when it was time to do their first distillation, one of the friend's parents went on vacation, so they swiftly turned part of their house into a fermentation hall. <laughs> 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 Within a week, they had a batch of fermented grains, but no still to distill it in. In fact, the closest pot still was hundreds of kilometers away at the aforementioned Beer Hunters Distillery, the owners of which were kind enough to let the five friends use to create their first batch. Today, the Cairo Distillery has grown from a wild dream to a craft powerhouse with skill and capacity and pretty good spirits that are always made from 100% Finnish rye. We totally fucked this whole thing up, Scott. What? I mean, the story of two friends who developed a podcast on whiskey. What we should have done is two friends who started a distillery and Diageo would have bought us by now. <laughs> we would be sitting on like 15 mil. Well, shit. I mean, that's what the, the Bourbon Pursuit guys did. I their, know. their podcast. And that's what the Penelope guys did. We have to start a distillery. That's it. That's it. <laughs> okay. Just source it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Just source it. Yeah. We'll source it. And then yeah. Throw it yeah. different woods in there. I don't need 198 million. I just need like 15. I mean, the Whiskey Tangent podcast, Random Belligerence Rye, just writes itself. It really does. Absolutely. Right. All right. So what we're tasting Wait, what here. What was our bourbon name? We had a bourbon Oh, uh, we had a bourbon name too. I forget. 
Oh, it's kind of important, Scott. It's going to be the cornerstone products of our distillery. Yeah, but I forget. I know. I don't know what you want me to do. Oh, was it Gabe's a bitch bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. Little that bi- was it. Little bitch bourbon. Little bitch bourbon. <laughs> I think that was it. Okay. Little bitch bourbon. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what we're tasting right now is the Finlandian or Finnish, because we're finishing with this one, <laughs> Cairo single rye malt whiskey. It's 94.4 proof. It's mass bill is 100% malted rye, no age statement, and the price was $52. I saw this in every single liquor store that I went to a few days ago when I was picking up a bunch of stuff for Madness next month. Wow, really? Yeah, it was at Canals over here, it was at the Wine Works, and it was at Total Wine. And I'm sure it was at Benashto. And what year did they start their company? They started in 2014. Holy shit. Yeah. Basically nine years, because 24 hasn't happened yet. Nine years or so, they've been able to get a big enough operation to have bottles all over New Jersey, let alone the rest of the world. Yeah. Does it say who distributes it? I'm sure Sazerac didn't buy them. Yeah, I know, right? I understand that they're probably distributed by somebody big, but you still have to make the product. That's what I'm I'm kind of oohing and on about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like even if they sent 20 cases to New Jersey, that's still a lot. And they have a bunch of stuff too. I don't see a distiller yet. Go ahead. I feel like you're pressuring me. (laughs) <laughs> you. no i was just curious uh, to know because of what you just said come <laughs> look at the website ed what? look at the picture of their website stop showing us uranus <laughs> they're, 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 it's five five guys in a barley field naked facing away so it's like moon over eye <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh shit that's hilarious yeah i don't really know who oh geez there they are again naked they really enjoy each other's uh nakedness well, okay. well is it, wait is this the sauna people yes. yes well they were naked when they created the idea they that's were why. and that's, that's why. why yeah yeah, that's why well we're doing the podcast so. naked scott i mean brian didn't seem to mind <laughs> brian was like yeah fuck it let's yeah. do it he's just wearing his kevlar vest well, <laughs> no, he's just wearing his uh, Captain America watch. That's all, That's all you need. All right, so let's uh, give it a sniff. I'm getting some tannin from like tea on the nose. Oh, it does not smell like a traditional whiskey. Um, a little bit of licorice, very faint. Not a heavy anise, but a little bit. Oh, this is interesting. So it smells a bit like the Icelandic one that was kind of weird and papery yeah. and vinyl This is much more. Yeah, I'm not getting the, that direct comparison, but I can see what you're saying. But there's much more there. There's more sweetness on there too. I'm getting a orange zest. I'm getting a, a vanilla. Wow, you're getting a lot on this. I'm getting a vanilla sugar to it. Kind of like a burnt sugar, like a top of a creme brulee. Yes, I'm getting all that. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this you one. You might have burned your nose out, man. It's the last one of the day. I mean, Maybe. it happens. It does happen. What's where I could be? I'll smell the aquavit. I don't know if that works. I'm going to snort the aquavit. Maybe it'll help me. All right. I just smell weirdness. All right. Well, that's fine. You're out this round. We got two of us talking. Uh, (laughs) Let's taste it. Maybe your palate's there. Maybe, maybe. Oh, that's better than it smells. Oh, it's much better than it smells. Wow, so sweet. I'm getting the orange. Yep. Definitely. There's there's the orange. The vanilla is front and center now, too. So there's a lot of cereal grains on it as well. Yes, like almost like frosted flakes. (laughs) Yeah. Or like cornflakes, that malty cornflake. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does have a little bit of sugar. There used to be a cornflake one that had almost like dried molasses on it, if you remember that. from. Mm. I think they discontinued it, but when we were kids, it was out. You know, maybe I went too deep there, but I think I went too deep there. <laughs> Something she never said. That's what she didn't say. <laughs> Okay, so this is a bit surprising because from the nose, I wasn't sure that I was going to like it, but on the taste, it's great. It might be my favorite of the Viking whiskeys. Really? Interesting. I'd have to go back to taste the High Coast one again, which I did like. Yeah. I see why it's all over the place. Every single review that I searched for Mm -hmm. seemed to be very positive on this. Mm -hmm. 
but I wanted one with like very specific tasting notes, which a lot of them didn't mm. have. The finish is really weird. It's like chunky, chewy almost. Mm. Like we always say finishes sometimes drop off. The palate drops off into the finish. It's like the palate ends suddenly and then you're in this very earthy, little peppery mm-hmm. finish. You know what I mean? So this does remind me a lot of the Icelandic whiskey in the way that it has like that papery and the, and the saltines and the quality there. But it's Salt's much back, yeah. deeper. It's got a lot more yeah. sweetness. It's got anise. It's got a little graham cracker. Yeah, I poured out the Icelandic whiskey, but I'm seeing some of the notes you mean. And That's it, what I mean. And it certainly could be something that is in, I don't know, northern grains, right? Depending on what grains you use and how you process them, how you end up fermenting them, that you might get a similar uh, quality. Because I, I certainly don't think that Canadian rye and Pennsylvania rye and Finnish rye is all going to have the same notes. No, no, it's not. Absolutely. Did you buy the Cairo, Scott? I did. Oh, yeah. It gets to stay with us. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe this will find its way into next month's madness tournament because <laughs> i do say that we have 16 whiskeys from around the world and sometimes we don't have them from around the world but if we had cairo i could actually say that right <laughs> yeah this is really wow. good but it's very distinct oh yeah like what we'd know yes. what this was if oh yeah it was in a contest with another yeah whiskey. That, that, which is the only thing that makes it bad for the march right. madness but, but still it's whatever it's whatever tastes we, better in your mouth I put a little water on this, and the oh, arms got that. stronger. Oh, oh shit! We didn't put water in all the other ones. What are we doing? I, I got sugar. Well, Scott, we talked about it though. <laughs> they were lighter. They were. The yeah. first one was ninety-two, and I said it didn't seem to make any sense. Like I feel like it was perfect where it was. Like it yeah. was just going to. Well, that's it down. true. They aren't very high. The orange definitely came out more. Some yeah. of the sugar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, literally oh, sugar. Okay, let's try that. This is really good. Definitely open up a little bit more. Oh my God, it's like biting into an orange that you didn't peel yet, right? Because like right, the, the, the orange is out. The orange peel itself, but you're then right. you're getting sweetness from underneath, <laughs> right? But and it's a little right. bit of the bitterness, right? And yes. the zest. But first, you rolled it in sugar. <laughs> no, not sugar, <laughs> yes. but it's like vanilla. Like oh yeah, wow! I really, really like this. Wow, outstanding! What a great finish and a great finish and a great finish. Whiskey. <laughs> Right, <laughs> a great whiskey to finish with, but also a great finish whiskey. <laughs> Absolutely, right. So, Brian, which of the four actual whiskeys was your favorite? I'm gonna have to say the Cairo. The Cairo, wow. this one, this yeah. one we just tasted. Yeah, we all finished on a straw. That's mine. Yeah, you know, I really like this a lot. It's very interesting, but I think I like the Berg, the Swedish one. I like that yeah. a lot. I did. Yeah, I was really impressed by that. It would be interesting to go side by side with those. And yeah, I mean, we might do it all fair. There's no reason. Yeah, to, no, yeah. no reason <laughs> to torture we've, we've learned not to let this spiral on air. We, <laughs> yeah. We've accomplished what we came to do. We did. And so I guess the message here is, you know, there's certainly tons of whiskey to drink from America. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of whiskey to drink from Scotland. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of whiskey to drink from Ireland. And there's now tons of whiskey to drink from Japan. But you know what? There's also one or two whiskeys to drink from Scandinavia. Yeah. And if you want to try something different or surprise your friends who are never surprised, yeah. pick up a Cairo. If you want to really surprise them, pick up the Icelandic whiskey. Right. <laughs> and if you've never tried Aquavit, I say you should do that because that's a tremendous appetit. So we've learned a lot. With the best part about this for me is I didn't have an understanding at all of Scandinavian whiskey. And now I do. 
and at one point we're going to have to get to Germany too because that that's one country we've ignored. So mm. that so expect that in the future. We just yeah. need to like buy Brian a ticket for Germany, I guess, or he needs to go there as a civilian contractor. We'll have uh, to work it out. I've had some German whiskey; it's pretty good. And <laughs> Austrian, and Austrian. So oh, wow, well, we're, we're going to do whiskeys of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, we will. We will. So uh, Brian, last thoughts on this? I mean, you orchestrated this whole episode. Yeah, we've been planning this for a year and a half at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as we see. Every region has its own thing. Mm. Not that you can lump all these into one group, but... Right, but would you agree that they're similar? Definitely similar. There's a component that runs through them the same way there's a component that runs through scotch than the component that runs through rye American whiskey, sure. right? Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. And I think Absolutely. that that's a great thing about tasting for them at one time is that we're able to gather that. I think if I taste them sporadically over three months or something, I wouldn't have picked it up. Yeah. But doing it tonight, I see a consistency of the northern Scandinavian grains. Absolutely. Also, think you can sell that a lot of effort goes into making these whiskeys and how they source everything from their own country. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do everything themselves as much as possible. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, local pride that goes into yeah. this. Yeah. Right. I also mentioned, just as a side note for Finnish people, they kicked the crap out of the Russians in the beginning of World War II, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to mess with Finland. No. So I had fun with them. You know, their bikes, they are as white as a notebook paper. Right. Like they're a color of white that you don't see in humans in this part of the <laughs> they're world. walking rolls of paper towels. <laughs> they are. But... <laughs> Incredibly efficient, very hardworking, and do not invade their country. That is my one <laughs> advice. If you learn nothing else about them today, do not invade Finland. Right. They have good hockey players, just saying. Oh, that's true. Oh, well, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, they have a lot of ice yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except in 1980, right? We brought it to them. 1980, bro. 44 years, bro. <laughs> all right brian thanks all so right. much scott last thoughts no that's it i mean i love tasting new whiskeys from new too. places yep. i mean every time brian's here it's only the second time but we say every time <laughs> but that's what brian does for us he first listened to us in afghanistan and he's taken us on a tour of the british empire and now the viking whiskeys and possibly the austro-hungarian <laughs> empire is next <laughs> That's why I am the Whiskey Explorer. That's, that's the right. Whiskey Explorer. Oh, Explorer. oh that'll oh, be on your jacket. <laughs> if you get a jacket, bro, that's it. The Whiskey Explorer, man. You're on it. All right. That's it, Dan. Take us out. All right. So if you can get a chance to try whiskeys from different places, it's going to expand your overall knowledge and depth of what whiskey tastes like. And we did that tonight. So for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. I'm Ryan. Cheers, everybody. Later. Later.